0: everyone. Now, normally, from me, you'd be getting a jovial, hey, hi, hello, and welcome to today's episode. But I'm going to keep it real with you guys. Uh, This week has ironically been a horrible week. And so I think now, more than ever, it is apt for me to release an episode called Bad Days with Finn. I've personally been really struggling as we've seen the world is in a pretty dark place at the moment and I know that a lot of my friends are very much on edge I know within myself I've been struggling not only with personal issues but also been struggling with the way the world is so I wanted to do an episode on how I identify when I'm having a bad day because it sounds pretty obvious, right? But for people with chronic mental health issues or people who are used to kind of running away from how they're feeling or who aren't as well versed in their emotions and how that can manifest in many different ways, it's not actually as simple as you might think. So I wanted to discuss my sort of telltale signs that I'm having a bit of a bad mental health day or a bad mental health couple of days. I wanted to share what are my methods of um, helping myself get through it um, and I also wanted to share other methods that maybe I don't use but you guys might find um, very valuable. Things I've like learned in therapy, things that other people have shared with me, things that I've researched myself. So to start with, When I'm having a bad day or a bad couple of days, I find that one of the first things to go out the window is my sleep. And I'm a pretty poor sleeper as is, but I noticed that for me, I know my body and I know my habits. I find that it takes me a while to get to sleep, but once I'm asleep, I'm out like a light. I find that, however, when I'm struggling, I will wake up a fair bit during the night. I may have more vivid dreams and nightmares. And I find that no matter how much sleep I get, I find myself quite tired and quite drained, not necessarily in a physical sense, but on a sort of emotional level, I feel really, really quite flat. Like a deflated balloon in a way. Again, sleep is one of the biggest, biggest things for mental health. One of the biggest warning signs. One of the most important things to maintain and sort of keep on top of when you're not doing well. And it's something I personally really struggle with. So I'm going to be not giving you my own tips. So I'm going to be getting those tips through um, my therapist and from other places. Because that's that's still a beast I have yet to wrangle. And... I am not wrangling it today. (laughs) So I find that's a big one. I find that also I really struggle with, and this this may gross some people out, and I'm honestly not afraid to share it because I think it's something about mental health and mental illness that isn't spoken about enough. Personal hygiene goes out the window as well, or at least falters. I find for me, it manifests in I don't wash my hair as much. For some people, it's way more severe. They struggle to get out of bed, which I I have been in that position before. They struggle to shower. They any any sort of um, movement, any any sort of means of completing tasks, they struggle with because your executive dysfunction fires up and executive dysfunction is where you can't perform tasks in the order that they should be done or you can't prioritize tasks or you just struggle to complete tasks altogether and it's something that people who are neurodivergent or who are struggling with mental ill health often deal with so I find for me my my hair I don't wash my hair for ages and I hate it I feel gross I know I'm going to feel better if I wash it and honestly, it's the littlest things that can become overwhelming when you're in that sort of headspace. But a small silver lining of the way the world is at the moment with this exist essential sort of dread and fear and uncertainty and just exist essential malaise that everyone is feeling is that more and more people are becoming more accepting of mental ill health and the things that come along with it we've still got a long way to go I'm I'm certain of that but people are sort of becoming kinder I've generally noticed throughout like the people I've met on my way healthcare professionals people on the street and like random people who I have conversations with in passing it's becoming less of a taboo that shit's overwhelming shit's hard we're all in this in this one massive boat sailing through what life is throwing at us with the conflict in russia and ukraine the pandemic we've already been living through for 2 years the climate crisis and i could go on and on i found another thing that i've been also experiencing especially at the end of last year, I had a notable example of this, is that our immunity just absolutely stage dives when we aren't doing well. It is, you know, mental health, your brain is part of your body. The chemicals it releases or consistently releases such as cortisol being present in your body for a a long time, it's exhausting. Um, And as a result, our bodies get worn out. And so you're more susceptible to picking up bugs and just random viruses and infections when you aren't doing well. And that's a frightening concept given, as I said, we are living through a pandemic. But it's also a warning sign to... It's it's your body telling you to listen. It's your body telling you to stop and rest. I, for example, when I had my most recent breakup at the end of last year a week after it happened i was in bed like tonsillitis sweats the works i did get COVID tested that was negative but just all that not very pretty stuff and as you can imagine that doesn't help your mental health at all whilst you're sick and miserable brings a whole new meaning to the phrase. But that's no discredit to my ex-partner, lovely human being, would like to add that in there. But it's it shows it manifests the mental health mental health has direct links with your body. It is like shown scientifically that people who are neurodivergent and who suffer with chronic mental health issues are more likely to develop chronic illness, are more likely to have digestive issues due to anxiety, are more likely to deal with uh, chronic joint pain, chronic sleep issues and insomnia, just by proxy of the experiences we live as uh, people struggling with mental ill health. And another big telltale sign for me, and I'm sure some other people, but I really wanted to delve into this one from a personal experience because of my struggles with my avoidant personality disorder. I find that when I'm really struggling, my first instinct is to isolate myself. And that is something I've been really fiercely working on and really trying to do the opposite of now that I'm aware of what I'm struggling with and now that I'm in therapy for it but my first instinct is to hide myself from the world to isolate and it's something that i did a lot especially in high school i would refuse to attend school and as much as i hated my like i hated going to high school but i also didn't like talking about it it made me feel so naked and uncomfortable and not only admitting that I was struggling to someone else but admitting that I was struggling to myself it felt like a character failure when it was far from it but it's for me it's this level of intimacy that is so soul-bearing and so terrifying it is it's a terrifying ordeal to be known as a person and to be known as a person in all of you at your best at your worst. And for me I struggle with the concept of people leaving when I'm at my worst because they're not entitled to hang around. But also something I've learned is that the people who who matter, the people who want to will and if they don't want to then I need to reevaluate their position in my life. And for other people it's just not personal. Like if someone is that capacity for the day if they've had a bad day themselves and they can't talk to you or can't be there for you as you hope them to be that's okay that's their boundary as long as they're clear with setting it but the most important thing in that situation is if you don't ask for help if you don't ask for support the answer is always going to be no if you don't reach out if you don't make that step the answer will always be no so you don't know unless you try. Isolation also shows up in much more insidious ways and avoidance of your feelings. For me, I, as my friends can attest to this, I'm a very jokey, jovial, out there person. I am often the loudest person in the room, often, probably according to some people, the most annoying person in the room, but I'm always open and you know outwardly open with laughter and a smile on my face and kindness and I like to make a joke out of everything but for me this has been a way of overcompensating for when I'm not feeling so good inside and it's something that I really want to start working on, to actually admit and be like hey yeah I'm having a shit day and to just be how i'm actually feeling rather than trying to cover it up for everyone else's sake all the time and it's a way of running from things when i need to turn around and face them because things only get bigger when you run away from them now these sort of warning signs that i experience will be different for everyone and it also depends upon what If any mental health issues you're facing, your current physical health, it really does vary. I find for some people, instead of not sleeping enough, like myself, they often oversleep. They can sleep for the whole day. I know for others, it can include fluctuations in appetite, fluctuations in how much time they spend with other people it can manifest as becoming snappy or irritable when you're not normally like that it's just sort of any behaviors or changes in your sleeping eating patterns exercise that aren't normal for you for example if you're over exercising or on a the other end of things, if you're not really exercising when you usually would, you're not partaking in activities you normally would, if you're struggling to find pleasure in things, I find that's something that happens when I'm burnt out or when I'm in a depressive episode, they call it anhedonia and it's an experience where you sort of don't gain any of the sort of happy chemicals or anything good from the activities you used to enjoy. So now we've covered all of the more dismal things, and you're still not off the hook, might I add. There's still going to be some hard truths, as I like to call them. My therapist absolutely loves to bomb these on me, whether I like to hear it or not. So I'm going to be giving them to you as well. Um, (laughs) The fact is, self-care isn't always easy. It's not what capitalism makes it to be. Self-care in a capitalistic viewpoint is... I'm going to buy all these things and I'm going to run myself a bubble bath and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to purchase to make myself feel better. And whilst, you know, there's merit to that, if you want to go run yourself a bubble bath, if you want to buy that new bath bomb or light that new candle, go for it, by all means, not stopping you. I know I absolutely love to do that myself. But there's also aspects to it that aren't, easy and that aren't they're pretty much the antithesis of what you really want to do when you're not feeling a hundred percent but in the long term they do make you feel better so I'm going to start small with the more little achievable things and then I'm going to build up as to what makes me feel better what might make you feel better and other methods that I've heard of looking after yourself and really truly practicing self-care on a hard day so to start with, if you're at the level where you're really struggling, you're having a day where you're like, no, nah. bed, getting out of it, absolutely not, absolutely not happening. If you're having a day where you're like showering, pff, no, I will rot in my room. And I've had plenty of days like this. There is absolutely no shame in it. You should not feel like less of a person for having these days. You are valid and I see and I hear you and I understand. But I find having it, when you are in a good place, having certain things on hand can help you feel a little bit more human, help you feel a little bit more yourself. Or if you have a friend or family member or a loved one to be able to get these items for you when you're not feeling good, if you can shoot them a text, that's always a good idea. I find having easy snacks by your bed, like literally I'm talking a banana like packaged foods that kind of thing near your bed or near where you're mostly going to be that day is really important Um, just something easy that doesn't require too much forethought that still has a little bit of nutritional value but you're not having to do too much work to get it so also having a full bottle of water have a straw if that makes drinking water and keeping your fluids up easier. I know when I'm dehydrated I get all headachey, and that just exacerbates any symptoms of my mental health deteriorating because I'm just I'm grumpy I feel like shit I have a headache so it's really good to have those things on standby. Also keeping your any medications you have for anything um, near your bed or on your bedside table is always a good idea. I find also when I'm unable to shower wet wipes may not be the most environmentally friendly thing but we're not focused on that at the moment we're focused on keeping you going and keeping you going for the next minute hour day however long it takes for you to feel more like yourself again and so if you don't feel like you can shower maybe just you know give yourself a wet wipe on the face or if you're able to get up go to your bathroom wash your face brush your teeth if you can i know Even if I'm having like a yucky day, it just helps me to feel like my teeth are a bit more like clean. I don't feel as fuzzy. So they're the really rudimental things. Your hygiene, your food, your sleep. They're the basics that we wanna look after. And then from then on, if you're feeling up to it, if you can get out of the house, you don't even have to do anything strenuous. If you're able to or in a position to go out to your backyard go to your front yard, if you can even go down the street and just feel the sun on your face or if you're still in bed, crack open a window, let some breeze in, let the sun in and like my main tip as you can hear from all of this is that treat yourself as if you were physically unwell, treat yourself as if you were sick because it is a sickness as much as stereotypes within medicine and within Maybe some healthcare practitioners you've seen like or as much as the general public may want you to think that it's a separate entity, it is all linked. It is all incredibly linked. We are in one body. It's not there's no dissonance between the two. We are one one being and so everything is linked. But if you can, if you need a day to rest like this or a day or two, that's so fine. But if you can try and push yourself to do one little thing every day that you don't really want to do, but it's probably necessary for you to do. Like for me, sometimes it's okay. I know that I'm running out of clothes. I really need to do my laundry today. So if I'm having a really rough day, but I know I need to get that done, I will make sure that if I can, I'll push myself to get that done. And I'll be kind to myself. If it takes me a couple of hours, that's fine. If it takes me a half an hour, awesome, sweet, good on you. You've just got to judge your capacity day by day. And if you have the energy, if you're able to get out of bed, try and push it. Try and push it a little bit and see how you go. Because future you will thank you for those things. It will thank you for doing those little pile of dishes that you can see amassing there so you don't have a bit of an ant crisis or... (laughs) doing your laundry so you've got fresh undies for the next couple days instead of having to you know deal with yeah (laughs) anyway I digress from the underwear conversation (laughs) but yeah as I said self-care isn't always isn't always the fun things it's calling up your doctor because you know you need to get a new prescription for your medication or it's doing your grocery, like ordering your groceries online if you have to or it's sending in your timesheet or sending off that email that you need to do but if you can break it down into little little steps and little tasks instead of just looking at this big list of things to do and going oh that's that's really overwhelming I can't even I can't even cook myself a decent meal right now let alone do all that so it's about breaking it down There's also a lot of preventative measures you can take when you are in the right headspace and you do have capacity to safeguard yourself so that when you do have a bad day, your responsibilities and things like that are a little bit easier to take care of. For me, uh, with my university studies and my ADHD, I find that when I'm not doing well or if I'm having a bit of a bad time with my ADHD, my studies go on the back burner. So I actually have what's known as an accessibility plan, which is organised by the university to ensure that I don't get too far behind in my studies, that my lecturers are aware of what's going on for me. And that if I need extensions or I need to get up and walk around for example in an exam or if I need to fidget or anything like that that there's no negative sort of consequences for doing so now if you're at any of the universities in Western Australia you can access a plan like this through talking to your student services and going from there talking to your doctor And I know that at high schools, they often have similar plans. At my high school, whilst it was um, a private institution, so I'm unsure as to if public institutions have the same sort of deal. But I had a mental health care plan there to ensure that if I was having a bad day at school or something, my teachers are made aware of that. They're made aware of if I wasn't able to attend for whatever reason. So yeah, just making sure you have like little measures like that in place. I also find setting alarms and timers for myself helps when I'm a bit out of sorts and I'm trying to schedule my day. I'll also, I mean, I'll have my alarm to wake up, but I'll also be like, okay, I have to take my medication at this time. I'm going to set an alarm for that. I'm aiming to do my laundry by this time. I'm aiming to grab something to eat at this time I'm aiming to send an email at this time so and you know if you don't achieve those goals don't beat yourself up for it it'll depend on your capacity but I just find it helps having a little framework that if you can stick to it then awesome that's great like good on you if you can't that's okay you just try again later or you try again the next day Another thing that's really important to remember when you're not doing so well relates back to a point I made earlier about the loss of pleasure in doing activities you usually enjoy, um, known as anhedonia. Now, you're probably thinking, Finn, why the hell would I do something if I'm not enjoying it? Why would I put that energy into that if I'm already struggling? Now, one of the biggest bits of advice my therapist gave me back when I was in the worst of my depressive episodes is that it's really important to keep going with those activities or at least trying to do them maybe not as regularly but still trying to set a bit of a routine for yourself and be like okay today I'm going to dedicate some time for myself to do this or time with a friend to do this and the aim really is to keep going until you start feeling a little bit of pleasure again and so you start enjoying it a bit again it's a good gauge to see how you are mentally and if you're improving or if you're still sort of within a rut again if you need to rest you need to rest and you need to prioritize that but I find when you're starting to come out of a depressive episode or when you're coming out of a bad couple of days or a bad week it's good to sort of slowly reintroduce those things just so you don't lose that that part of yourself because it may have been really enjoyable for you at one point and at the moment life is really tough and you're not really finding anything enjoyable but it's important to ensure that you eventually pick it back up again and that it's still remaining you know something that you enjoy and something that brings you purpose and passion and it also helps you discover other things that you might like if that if you are continuing it and say say you like painting and you're continuing painting once you've had like a bad episode and you're like look I'm really not feeling this I'm really really not feeling this you might try another art or craft or something along those lines and you might go hey this is actually my shit I actually find comfort in this and you can find what works for you in different times I find for me sometimes I feel like painting and I'm like because I'm a pretty sort of within the fine arts sort of writing painting drawing that's all kind of my thing and so when I'm in a good space I'm like yeah I could I could paint I could do something like that I feel like doing that but then when I'm down I, I really it doesn't doesn't come to me I kind of my creativity shrivels up a little bit in that respect um, and I don't enjoy it as much but I find writing for me is something that I can do when I'm happy when I'm sad especially when I'm sad especially when I'm not doing well so that's another sort of hobby or technique that I sort of lean upon when I'm not doing well and that brings me to my next point journaling now I know you're probably going to roll your eyes at me and be like oh seriously like come on but no journaling journaling really having something on paper having your thoughts on paper in front of you rather than swirling around in your head, doesn't necessarily reduce them, but puts them somewhere where you can organize them and be like, okay, I can control this and I can't control this. This is how I'm feeling and this is how I'm acting. And it just can provide a lot of clarity as to the sort of cognition and thought patterns you go through when you're not feeling too well. And If you can find out how that works, you can find out how to best sort of combat that with the help of a therapist or or help of a friend. It's a really important tool of communication. And for people like me who struggle to actually actively talk to people and open up to people when I'm really genuinely not doing well, it makes it a lot easier because the only person who's going to see that page is me or my therapist if I decide to tell them. And that's far less daunting. You can be very, very candid and you can learn a lot about yourself in the process. And then you can also get really fun with journaling. Like for me, half of my degree is in creative writing. And so I've always been drawn to like poetry, short fiction, long fiction, you name it. Words, our vernacular is such a precious thing and what it's what makes us who we are And so I find that along with journaling, I find music really, really powerful for me. And it is proven to be a very powerful way of changing your mood or validating your mood the reason why we're so drawn to listening to sad music when we're upset is because the lyrics and often the tune validates what we're feeling when a lot of the time we're not getting that validation from outside sources so I find music a big big comfort for me because it is it is poetry in motion as I've mentioned before so I have this thing where I curate playlists like very oddly specific playlists with very unhinged names might I add to tailor my experience to like a certain feeling I'm going through or a certain situation I'll give them funky names or give them a funky photo cover on Spotify and I find it so comforting. I find it a way of expressing myself for myself. And it's just it's just really good. Like you can't tell me that listening to Mr. Brightside by The Killers on a night out isn't a fucking good time. You can't tell me that listening to a sad Taylor Swift song is not cheaper than therapy and also almost as effective. I say almost. Disclaimer. But I digress. Like Music's brilliant. Music is so powerful. And I find it's good to have an array of playlists. So I'll have a playlist for when I need to wallow when I need to get things out when I need to have a cry I need to have a scream I need to do all of that ugly processing um but important nonetheless and then I have a playlist for when I'm coming out of that and I need something that isn't obnoxiously happy isn't like trying to really make me like completely blow me out of the park and make me crazily happy because let's be honest that's probably not going to happen if you've had a rough week it's not gonna happen straight away. But it I have a playlist where it's just happy enough or not as depressing, but it's calming and it's soothing. And often I'll sleep to this playlist. Just something that's like, you know what? It's shit right now, but it's gonna get better. So I have my doom and gloom playlist and I have my hey shit's not so bad, get it together playlist. On another note, another tip. Now, I'm prepared for you to roll your eyes at me again. I'm also kind of rolling my eyes at me at this one. But I've had a very, very complicated relationship with meditation, mindfulness and breath work. And it's probably the first thing your therapist or counsellor or if you've ever been to therapy before, one of the first things i will say, or if you're talking to your GP about potentially seeing someone for anxiety And the reason why I have such a complicated relationship with it is because I really struggle to keep my mind still as I've been diagnosed with ADHD combined type. So I'm both hyperactive and inattentive. And so as you may gather, I don't have much mental real estate that's very free. It's about, it's like having... 10 monkeys with symbols clapping in my head at any given time whether I'm anxious whether I'm happy whether I'm sad it doesn't matter the mood it's just very busy in there so it's something that I've struggled with and I used to really hate like I used to get really shitty at my healthcare professionals for being like oh so have you tried mindfulness no no I have not tried mindfulness. yes of course I've fucking tried mindfulness I'm still here I'm still struggling <laughs> but it does have its value it really does and you really have to give it a shot and kind of stick with it I found it's something that doesn't work overnight you've definitely got to um, practice it but there's a little exercise that I do when I'm having a panic attack or when I find my mind is very racy because of my ADHD I do something that is called square breathing you breathe in for four you hold for four you breathe out for four, you hold for four. So you continue this process of like, obviously in a square, square breathing. And I've found that has been incredibly helpful for me if I'm say lying in bed at night and my brain is racing, or if I'm in a public space like my work environment or on public transport or at a party even and I'm feeling myself get riled up and I can't really take a moment. I find it's quite helpful to do, just like seat. Like, you know, take a seat somewhere, or at my work desk, or take a seat at a party, or when I'm just like on my commute, and I can just sort of put my headphones in and just sort of breathe. And I can do it pretty subtly. You can sort of do it without having to, you know, crack open your meditation app or anything. It's quite, um, quite simple to remember. So I found, yeah, I never thought I would be on a podcast, um, my own mental health podcast, talking about the values of mindfulness. Um, My earliest therapists would be laughing at me right now. They would be proud. But anyway, so yeah, that is something that is very helpful. And again, my last eye roll of this episode, I promise you, exercise. I'm not good at this one. I'm terrible at this one I'm not an athletic person by nature but even if it's getting up and going for a walk or if you have something of the sort if you I don't know go for a swim something like that I don't know play something social with your friends if you have to it's you know good old endorphins we can't cheat science it does work it's proven to work and I wish I was good at doing it more, and I wish I had more of a routine around it because it works wonders. One of my roommates goes to the gym almost morning and night. She's an absolute gun. And I know that it really does help her with her mental health. Um, for me, my exercise of choice is probably swimming. I would be, my name is Finn, I'd probably be a fish in another life. How ironic. But I've grown up by the ocean there's something so inherently calming and healing about the water and I choose that as my form of exercise because I know it's something that I really love and really enjoy. It's also incredibly healing to be in nature honestly and I think as someone who lives in Western Australia I'm incredibly blessed to have some of the most picturesque landscapes in probably the world. It's absolutely gorgeous here so I recommend if you do leave here taking full advantage of it um, where possible because it's something that reminds me that I'm part of something much bigger than myself it gets me out of my own head and some people find their smallness in this world to be rather disconcerting but I find incredible comfort in it that I'm like I'm no more or less than a leaf to be honest and that's okay that's a good thing like that means that if I wear funky pants one day and no one likes them or if my hair's out of place or if I'm running late somewhere at the end of the world we're all equal we're all just part of this big sphere floating in space and that's okay and there's something really really gorgeous about being a part of the world and going out and you know seeing the sun set and the trees and oh god please forgive me but it's true it's so true you can't tell me that you don't look outside and see a pretty sunset and smile you can't tell me that you don't (laughs) and another big part of this world that is absolutely fucking amazing is animals pets I'm a cat person I everyone who's close to me or not close to me anyone who checks my social media cats. Cats are my shit. I miss my cats so much. I unfortunately had to leave my two down in my hometown when I moved up to Perth. But they are my babies. I have Ray, who she's four. She's a little tortoiseshell girl. She's black and orange and brown. And then I have Obi, who's about a year old. And he's this fluffy poofball ball of gray with white little paws and a white chest and big yellow eyes. I cannot tell you how much Ray saved me when I was in high school. We didn't have Obi back then, but I remember all the weeks I would spend in my house um, alone because my mom was working and I, I was just sort of I wasn't going to school, i wasn't really doing anything, and the only real reason I got out of bed was because of Ray. Um, she was my best friend, to be honest, uh, probably my closest friend, and I didn't really have anyone back then, and you know, or I see a dog on the street, for example, and they're just so happy. And like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in this world or what you regret or what you don't. Animals still love you and they still care. And they just have this unconditional love that you don't really get in this world. So, And and as someone whose love language is physical touch, I find just having something to cuddle is so, so nice because, you know, you can't always, you know, if you're not with a family who's especially touchy or, or even if you're not a touchy person yourself with other people, that's so valid. That's so fair. Not everyone is, but sometimes it's just nice to have a little reminder that you're loved and someone a little little gremlin who can like goof off and do dumb things around the house and you're like yeah you're a little you're a little being this little being is living in my house or this little being is like walking across the road and they've got like little fluffy paws and a little face like oh anyway they're so cute but I find animals are very very healing for me and a a very grounding thing to remind me that there there's something bigger than myself like a little creature I have to look after someone who's depending on me and relying on me and even just seeing them around like they just make you smile so animals are a big one go to a cat cafe go to a dog park go I don't know house sit for a friend with dogs or something like I did a couple weeks ago cannot recommend it enough and last but not least for this episode, my last tip, something that you've heard a million times from me and probably other people, but I will preach it until the end of time. For God's sake, talk to someone, please. If that's, if that is a pet, if that is your animal, if that's your therapist who you see, if that's to your journal, if you write in your journal, if you talk to a friend, if you feel comfortable a family member if you're close enough and you feel comfortable I just as much as I know I'm someone who as I spoke about before my first instinct is to recoil and to hide away but that has been one of the most damaging things for my mental health and that's why I'm so trying to fight against it at the moment especially as I'm not I haven't been doing too well myself as of late and let people surprise you if you think, well, wow, oh, I don't know if I don't, I don't want to bother this person or I, I don't want to, you know, talk about this because I feel like I'm going to be pressuring someone or burdening them or you're just afraid as to how someone may react when presented with all of you or a really intimate part of you, let them surprise you. Because as I said, you don't know. You don't know unless you try. The answer is always no if you don't try. And I can guarantee you, I've had some of the most beautiful, beautiful moments of my life as a result of actually letting people in. And I just, I can't stress it enough. You, you, can't, do, you can't do it all alone, or if you can and you have been, yeah, sure, you can continue to do that, but I can guarantee you it's so much easier sharing the burden. It's so much easier not carrying all that alone. Have you tried bringing in, like, your household's groceries in on your own? Yeah, you can do it, but it takes a couple trips and it's fucking heavy. And to prove to you all that I am actually taking my own advice and being accountable for myself, I'm going to go touch some grass tomorrow, listen to some beautiful music. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm catching up with one of my best mates on Tuesday for lunch. And I'm just trying to be as kind to myself as possible in this world. And I want to remind you all to do the same. Please stay so safe. Um, I'm sending all my love to everyone at the moment. I am going to post some resources as to if you want to help with Ukraine, um, if you feel this kind of sense of helplessness and you want to know what you can do or where you can donate um I'm going to be posting some things when this is released onto the She's Mental Instagram at She's Mental Podcast. So if you feel like that would help with you know the current state of things in your mental health as I know it it's helping me to to remind myself that even though I am small I'm little me over in this very privileged part of the world I I can make a change. Um so if you have capacity please feel free to look at those resources and look after yourselves, my loves. Be kind, and I will see you next episode.